Hi, this is Whitney Lane and Natalie Hipschman. We are Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. Today, we are continuing our quick hit series designed to review high yield topics for our yearly in-service examination. Today, we're going to be discussing high yield topics related to breast cancer and breast cancer care. So to start, we're going to review some breast embryology as well as breast development. The lactiferous ducts are derived from the epithelial layer. The breast stroma, which includes smooth muscle cells, capillary endothelial cells, and adipocytes, is derived from the mesoderm. This process starts as early as six weeks in gestation. During puberty, as estrogen surge leads to the development of breast buds, this surge triggers pituitary growth hormones to stimulate mammillary gland production of insulin-like growth factor 1, or IGF-1, which in turn leads to breast formation. Once the breast has fully formed, we define the anatomic borders um, when we're talking from a surgical standpoint in terms of the sternum medially, the clavicle superiorly, the IMF inferiorly, and the anterior border of the latissimus muscle laterally. Uh, We frequently on our in-service exam do get tested on the sensation and perfusion to the nipple areolar complex. So this is something that we do need to know. Um, we also need to know this information for when we're doing things like, uh, mastopexy and breast reduction. The NAC's main blood supply is from the perforators off of the internal mammary artery, although it does also receive perfusion from the lateral thoracic arteries. The, uh, NAC sensation is mainly derived from the lateral fourth intercostal nerve. However, after mastectomy, the anterior fourth intercostal nerve is most likely to provide nipple sensation as it courses more superficially through the skin and subcutaneous tissue and therefore is not damaged. The breast can be affected by both benign and malignant diseases. So to start, we're going to review some of the high yield benign breast diseases. First is common fibroadenoma. This is the most common breast tumor in adolescent females ages 14 through 16. It presents as a discrete mobile mass within the breast tissue. Treatment is excisional biopsy or observation. Phyloides tumor on exam presents similarly to common fibroadenoma. However, it is a stromal tumor and it is the most common non-epithelial tumor of the breast. This is locally aggressive disease, but rarely malignant. Treatment is wide surgical margins of at least one centimeter. This is recommended recommended to decrease the risk of recurrence. Finally, papilloma, which is a polyp of the epithelium-lined breast ducts. Nipple papillomas present typically with bloody nipple discharge. Treatment is excision. If this is fully excised in the breast reconstruction or reduction, no further management is necessary. Possible mammogram uh, can be ordered if this is offered in the test question. Next, we're going to move on to breast cancer. To start, we often get asked about screening recommendations for breast cancer. Currently, the American College of Surgeons recommends that average risk women receive screening mammogram at uh, 40 to 44 years. Um, In that time period, uh, mammogram is reported to be optional. Annual screening is recommended to start at age 45 and continue to age 54. And then women can uh, transition to buy um, biennial screening or once every other year at age 55, uh, that only pertains to women who are in good health and have a life expectancy of at least 10 years and have no, uh, increased risk of breast cancer, such as family history in patients that present with new breast masses, imaging recommendations are based on age. 
In patients under the age of 35, breast cancer is quite rare, and therefore it is recommended that masses first get evaluated by ultrasound. In patients over the age of 35, however, mammogram and ultrasound are the recommended initial imaging steps. Of note, imaging reports are standardized uh, using a tool called BIRADS, uh, Breast Imaging Reporting and Data System, which goes from BIRADS 0, which is... Uh, the radiologist is saying that they have insufficient information to make a diagnosis to BIRADS-1, which uh, states that the uh, mammographer is certain uh, that the findings on the mammogram are benign to BIRADS-6, which is given uh, when patients are known to have a biopsy-proven breast cancer. Finally, when discussing mammography, um, there are two types of mammograms, screening mammography and diagnostic mammography. Screening mammography consists of two standardized views and is appropriate for asymptomatic patients or for screening. Diagnostic mammography, in contrast, incorporates additional views for abnormalities listed above. Breast cancer is part of a spectrum of atypical breast pathology that can be found on the core needle biopsy. This starts with atypia on the breast, which is considered atypical breast pathology that are then markers of increased risk of developing a breast cancer within that breast. But these are not considered to be precursors to breast cancer, such as DCIS. These include ADH, LCIS, ALH, and radial scar. For example, the presence of atypical ductal hyperplasia on biopsy means a four to five fold increased risk for developing breast cancer. Notably, LCIS is the marker of increased risk in the bilateral breast. Further, most patients have LCI that have LCIS go on to develop cancer and end up with a ductal cancer, not a lobular cancer. If atypia is found on biopsy, recommendations for treatment often include the excisional biopsy to evaluate to a synchronous breast cancer that was missed on biopsy. However, you do need negative mar margins in this case meaning that it's okay if you find atypia on the border of the excisional biopsy specimen. Additionally, if there's no cancer in the excisional biopsy, then the breast surgeon or the oncologist may consider placing the patient on tamoxifen or uh, AIAL as a risk-reducing uh, risk measure. Obviously, if there is a cancer on the excisional biopsy, treat like an invasive cancer. So moving on from atypia to uh, breast cancer or a malignant diagnosis, um, first of all, breast cancer is staged based on the TNM staging system. Uh, T is related to the size of the breast cancer. Uh, T1 is um, a breast cancer that is less than two centimeters. T2 is a breast cancer that is two to five centimeters. T3 is greater than five. And T4 means that there's extension into the chest wall, skin, or neighboring organs. N is related to lymph node involvement and zero disease means that there are no lymph nodes that are involved. And one um, means that there are one to three lymph nodes involved and two is four to nine nodes and N3 is greater than 10. M is related to distant metastasis and is only uh, no distant metastasis or M0 or M1, which is uh, states that the patient has metastasized to distant sites. To start on the spectrum of breast cancer, um, there is a pathology called DCIS or ductal carcinoma in situ, which is defined as stage zero breast cancer. On imaging, a DCIS often appears as linear calcifications, and on pathology, DCIS is diagnosed based on the presence of malignant appearing cells confined to the lumen of the ductal system that do not invade the basement membrane. This is considered a pre-malignant lesion to invasive breast cancer. And therefore, for the purpose of treatment, um, we uh, take this out in order to prevent progression to invasive breast cancer. 
of note, if left untreated, 50 to 60% will in fact progress on to an ipsilateral invasive breast cancer. Treatment for DCIS includes surgical excision with either radiation or lumpectomy and radiation or mastectomy. The decision to undergo mastectomy versus lumpectomy is oftentimes based on the size of the area involved with DCIS and the size of the breast. Of note, um, importantly with DCIS, there is no need for axillary staging with lumpectomy since the disease has not gained metastatic potential by breaking through the basement membrane. However, with mastectomy, you lose the ability to map sentinel nodes, and therefore it is recommended that surgeons perform a sentinel lymph node biopsy at the time of mastectomy for DCIS in case of upstaging uh, to breast cancer on final pathology. Finally, something that we do get tested on is uh, standardized margins. And to be considered a margin negative excision for DCIS, you need to have at least two millimeters of negative margin around your specimen. Moving on to ductal adenocarcinoma, it's the most common form of breast cancer and arises from glandular tissue. Some basic facts uh, include 12% of women develop breast cancer overall. A family history increases that risk up to 15%. The risk increases to 45% if there is a history of bilateral and premenopausal familial cancer. Treatment of breast cancer involves a multidisciplinary approach, including chemotherapy, radiation therapy, surgery, and endocrine therapy. In terms of surgery patients, in terms of surgery, patients can either undergo a lumpectomy with sentinel lymph node biopsy and radiation or mastectomy with sentinel lymph node biopsy. Contraindications to lumpectomy or breast conserving therapy include the following, a multicentric disease with two or more tumors in separate quadrants of the breast such that they cannot be encompassed by a single incision, history of prior radiation in the same breast or chest wall, pregnancy, and persistently positive margin despite re-excision. The relative contraindications to breast conserving therapy include collagen vascular disease, such as lupus or scleroderma, that would increase the risk associated with radiation, um, a hereditary breast disease, and then small size breasts relative to the size of the tumor. Surgical margins in the breast cancer differ from DCIS. Margins are considered negative if there is no tumor on the inked margin. For patients undergoing mastectomy, uh, this is something that we need to know as plastic surgeons. Uh, they may choose a simple mastectomy, meaning that the patient often doesn't want to pursue any form of immediate breast reconstruction, and they are closed without any redundant skin. A skin-sparing mastectomy in which skin is spared to allow oftentimes for immediate breast reconstruction or a nipple-sparing mastectomy in which the nipple areolar complex is preserved. Importantly, for nipple sparing mastectomy, there are several exclusion criteria that we do as plastic surgeons need to be aware of. This list is evolving out of um, our growing experience with nipple sparing mastectomy. However, as of now, tumor size greater than five centimeters, location less than two centimeters from the nipple, skin involvement, including Paget's disease, and any axillary disease are all exclusion criteria for nipple sparing mastectomy. Additionally, when discussing with patients, uh, we need to be aware of who the ideal candidates are for nipple sparing mastectomy. These are patients who have a BMI oftentimes less than 30, have small breasts and minimal ptosis. The reason for this is related to our breast reconstruction options uh, because these breasts are able to be um, reconstructed at a similar or same size um, as the patient was preoperatively. 
Contralateral prophylactic mastectomy is something that many women with a genetic predisposition to breast cancer and those undergoing mastectomy for breast cancer can consider. Based upon, based upon current date, uh, women with genetic predisposition to breast cancer, including BCRA, benefit from risk reduction. However, there is no proven oncologic benefit to contralateral prophylactic mastectomy or CPM in those with average risk. It has not been proven to improve cure rate, reduce recurrence, and it actually increases the number of operations. Of note, uh, BRCA1 and 2 are associated with breast and ovarian cancers. It can also be associated with pancreatic and prostate cancer. For patients with BRCA1, they have a 65% chance uh, of breast cancer by age 70, 35 to 70% ovarian cancer risk by age 70. And for patients with BRCA2, uh, those numbers are 55% uh, by age 70, 10 to 30% for ovarian cancer by age 70. Men with BRCA2 also have a 10% risk of developing breast cancer, so they should be counseled if a family member has a BRCA2 mutation. Other than surgery, patients with breast cancer also get treated uh, by a multimodal team uh, with radiation, uh, chemotherapy, and endocrine therapy. In terms of radiation, uh, this is something that we as plastic surgeons do need to be aware of. And currently, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, or NCCN, recommends that radiation be performed in patients following lumpectomy and for patients following mastectomy who have tumors larger than five centimeters, those that have spread, those that have disease that has spread to four or more lymph nodes, those that have positive or close surgical margins, meaning less than five millimeters or have evidence of spread to the skin. Notably, radiation therapy does have known uh, early side effects. Those include erythema, edema, desquamation of the skin, hyperpigmentation, and ulceration. Chronic injury from radiation includes atrophy, dryness, telangiectasias, dispigmentation of the skin, and fibrosis. Although we do not often get treated on chemotherapy for breast cancer, we do sometimes get asked about endocrine therapy, namely both aromatase inhibitors and tamoxifen. Aromatase inhibitors inhibit or impair conversion of androgens to estrogens, and tamoxifen is a selective estrogen receptor modulator, both of which are given for women who uh, have hormone-positive disease. Notably, tamoxifen is associated with thromboembolic events, including there is some data to say, including increased rates of flap loss and decreased, decreased rates of flap salvage following breast reconstruction. Therefore, we recommend that tamoxifen be held 28 days preoperatively in patients undergoing microsurgical breast reconstruction. At this point, this ends our Quick Hits episode on breast cancer. Thanks for joining us today. And hopefully you learned something on our uh, short podcast. Uh, hopefully you'll stay tuned for our related Quick Hits episode on breast reconstruction. Thanks so much. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.